we're not dismissing children today to uh, Children's Church with Miss Aaron and Mr. J and Baby Hunter, although they are right over there. If you need your Baby Hunter fix, you can still get it today. Um, but we're sharing in communion. Hopefully all the kids in the room being as observant as they are see the bread and the juice up here. And uh, so we're going to share in this communion meal together and our children participate in that with us. And so we're all staying in the room together today. And also you may notice these beautiful flowers uh, that are here. These were part of the celebration of life service that we did yesterday for Betty Robinson, who is a longtime and dear member of this church, saint of this church. And um, so her service was yesterday and her family left the flowers in our altar this morning um, in memory of her. And as I turn to read our scripture for this morning, I, it's just fitting that this would be our scripture for today, for this Sunday, for the day after we've celebrated the life of Betty Robinson, because this is Betty. So I want to ask you to turn your attention to the screen as I read aloud for us Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And after I finish reading it, I'll say, this is the word of God for the people of God, and you all respond, please. Thanks be to God. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. These are the words of Jesus. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how will it become salty again? It's good for nothing except to be thrown away and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on top of a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of a lamp stand and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So um, I mentioned having observant children in the room. Not only did they notice, I'm sure, the bread and juice, but probably a couple of other things that are up here on the altar, the salt and the light. These are two metaphors, powerful ones, that Jesus pairs together in these few verses that are part of what we call in Matthew the Sermon on the Mount. Commonly, we refer to Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 as the Sermon on the Mount. If you're looking for something to strengthen, nourish your faith this week, for something to read, Matthew chapters 5, verses, or excuse me, chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. It'll be good for you, I promise. And it, we sort of believe, is encapsulated Jesus' core teachings for who we are and how we live in the world and to describe that for people he used these two metaphors of salt and light and we experience them a little bit differently than they did at the time that this was spoken or written Jesus called people the salt of the earth but you know these days we go light on salt right because we've discovered that too much of it can be harmful, right? High blood pressure, heart disease, stroke. So we try to stay low sodium in our diets. 
One of the reasons we found out it's bad for you is because now it is so readily available and accessible that we put it in everything or on everything, and we've done it so much so that we got too far in there and figured out, oh, wait a minute, this may not be good for us. It's so common that we sort of commodified it to the point that we've even misused it and abused it. So we go light on salt. And this is where it's helpful, I think, to, to do a little bit of a digger, a, a deeper dive, to dig a little bit more into the scriptures, to understand the context and the history. This is a, a trap that we can fall into. Can I just name something for us today? We can find a word or a phrase in a verse or a few verses that have been translated into English maybe hundreds of years ago, and we take that word or those words or that phrase, and we build a whole theology around it or belief system without really fully understanding the time and the day, the language and the age and the context in which it was written, to whom, by whom, for whom. I'm thankful for the fact that we continue to dig deeper, that we continue to learn and study and grow, and that the word of God becomes even more alive for us as we have a more full understanding of what it says. And and here's just a great little practical example. Because for us, we hear salt and we think, oh, low sodium. That's the way to go. But at the time that this was written, salt was very valuable. Very important. Not only for the things that we know that it was good to be used for, like it was a a preservative and, and it helps bring out or accentuate flavors and things we eat. But the fact is, at the time that this was spoken by Jesus, salt was hard to find. It was rare. It was useful. And it was valuable. And Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. I don't know, maybe if he was saying it today, he'd say, you are the eggs of the earth. You've been to the grocery store lately? In fact, so valuable that it is actually the root in Latin of the word salary. So what you earn, that salary you get, literally in the Latin, the phrase was developed because it is how the Roman soldiers were paid. They were paid according to how much salt they were worth. Which is... Also, where we get that phrase, worth, he's worth his salt. Salt was valuable and useful and hard to find. And it enhances flavor, yes, and it preserves, it sort of brings out the good taste and whatever it touches or comes in contact with or gets around or in or near brings out the goodness, and you are the salt of the earth, Jesus said. And then he said, what happens if salt loses its saltiness? What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. What is it good for? If salt loses its saltiness, Jesus says, what is it good for? Nothing. Just to be thrown out into the street and trampled. 
Now, if that may sound judgmental, you are the salt of the earth. What happens if the salt loses its saltiness? It's good for nothing just to be thrown out in the streets and trampled. And, and it is, it's kind of part judgment and part reality. Just the truth of it. And when salt loses its saltiness, it, it's no longer doing what it was created to do. It's no longer making the impact and becomes unnecessary, irrelevant. And that's just part reality, right, about life. Life choices have consequences. How we live, who we are, results come from that. Salt loses its saltiness, it loses its worth, its value, its meaning, its use. As a child, we've, I don't know about all the kids in the room, but I can tell you, I know, remember from my experience, as a child, we sort of go about life trying to avoid those consequences. <laughs> we want to do the things we want to do and say the things we want to say, and, and at all costs avoid what those consequences might be. But the reality of life the truth of life that we learn and understand as we grow older is that choices have consequences. And so salt loses its saltiness. It's really got no purpose or impact. If you feel like the church or the Christian faith is just getting trampled out there, maybe we've lost our saltiness. Maybe the faith has been overused and abused in ways that have been harmful and hurtful. And so when Jesus says, you are salt of the earth, I think the question within that is, how are we bringing out the richness, the complexity, the beautiful flavors of this world of which everything and everyone is a part. And man, don't we live in a flavorful world? Shambly, don't we live in a flavorful community? Who doesn't love to go over to Buford Highway and eat? How are we bringing out the richness of the flavors of our world and our community. And to put with that image of salt, Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Again, this is tough today because we experience salt differently than they did back then and we experience light differently than they did back then. Light is easy to turn on, to produce, to make. We walked in the room this morning, we just hit a button on the wall right over there. All the lights came on. Well, most of the lights came on. We're working on that. Any room you walk in, just about, just flip a switch, and there's the light. Not the way when this was written. Not quite that easy. You couldn't just walk in a room and flip on a switch and the whole room lit up. It wasn't that easy or cheap 
to experience light in the darkness. I say cheap, that's a relative term. I know we all pay power bills. Who in the room is the person, who in here is the person that goes and turns off every light in any room? Uh huh. If it's on and nobody's in there, you turn it off. Right? So, I mean, relatively easy and cheap compared to the time this was written. The time this was written, it took a lot to have light in the dark. It cost you to get the oil and the lamp and to burn it. It, it was an exhaustible resource. Valuable and powerful. Because when you couldn't see anything, the light would let you see. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Who lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket? It makes no sense. Let your light shine. Be salt. Be light in the world and in Shambly today. And then he gives them one last image. He gives them the image of their city. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And they knew because they lived there. Jerusalem was a city that was built up on a hill, could be seen from all around. There was no hiding it. Jesus said, just look at you. Look at where you are, where you live, where you've built your temple. You've built it in such a way that it is seen by all your neighbors. It cannot be hidden. And you, you are the people in this moment, in this time in history, who have received the light of Christ as a gift from God. And you're put here, and you're in this place where you can be seen. Let your light shine. Shamley, have you ever talked to anybody about where your church facilities are located? I have. I get to have that conversation on a regular basis. I say we're on Shambly dunwoody Road between 285 and Peachtree Boulevard before you get to Shambly High School, and they go, oh, you mean that beautiful church with the big front lawn? Have you had this conversation with anybody? Do you hear it? Do you hear the words of Jesus? A city on a hill cannot be hidden. A church that builds a property like this or a facility like this that looks like this and its community, you can't hide. You are the embodiment of the light and love of Jesus Christ for Shambly. And they see you. They're looking at you. They're looking to you. And it's that way on purpose, by design, with the hope and the faith and the trust that the people in this community who are looking for salt, who are looking for something that will bring out the flavors of who they are, who they were created to be, the beauty and complexity of them, the handiwork of God. They're looking for what will bring that out in its fullness in their life. They're looking for light in the darkness when it's not clear. Where do you go? How do you live? What is this about? Who am I? They're looking for some light to shine in that darkness. 
We all are, we all were, we all do, and our community is, and they're looking to the city on a hill. They're looking to this beautiful church that you all built on this beautiful property, on this often traveled road to say, we are right here. Come, we're not perfect, but we know a God who loves you and loves us and lives in and among us. And you can experience him in your life and with this bunch of folks, with all of our frailties and imperfections, with all of our challenges, our pain, with all of our hopes and dreams and aspirations, God is with us. Come on. Let them see you, Jesus said. So they would see who you are, how you live, how you treat each other, how you talk about one another, what you do when the chips are down and when nobody's looking. Let them see that in you and be drawn to God through you and through the work of God's Holy Spirit in you. I love a line that I read from uh, William Tuttle about this passage. He says, you know, it's interesting what this says about the church because the church is the only organization that exists not for itself, but for the people who are not a part of it. I love how that this passage, that comment and observation turns our attention not inward to us, but outward toward our world and calls us to be that for them. In the name of Christ. Last Sunday, you all prayed for the leadership of our church. And I told you that when we met and talked about what it looks like to grow our church, we discussed growing deep and growing wide. And we also spent a minute on what that means for us personally to grow deep and to grow wide. And we got a little bit of deep and wide, deep and wide. This morning I got a little bit of this little light of mine. There's a lot to be said for what we learned when we were young about our faith. But for those among us who desire for our church to grow, to grow deeper in our faith, in our spirituality, in our discipleship, for those among us who desire for our church to grow wide in our reach and our impact, in the world and in Shambly and in Huntley Hills. Jesus said it's you. You are the growth engine of this church. You are the salt. You are the light. It wasn't just a, hey, you can be. Or maybe. You are the salt. You are the light. You are the city on the hill. Be who you are. And the promise of Jesus is that you don't have to do that alone. You do it with each other. You do it with Christ who goes with you and told his disciples, I go with you all the way to the end. I'm with you. Which is one of the things that is central on our hearts and minds when we share this meal, this communion meal together. That we are sharing this meal with Christ and with each other. 
that he invites us to his table to come and receive the body of Christ, the bread, to come and receive the blood of Christ, the juice. And that as we receive them as nourishment, physically and spiritually, that Christ fills us again to go be a salt and light in this world. And so in just a moment, we're going to share in this meal. And you'll be invited to come forward. The ushers will help you come in an orderly fashion, and you'll be given the bread and the juice, and we'll share in communion together. As you come, God, you come to be the salt and to be the light in our world today. I want to ask you to join me in our communion liturgy.